In this episode of the Church Security Roll Call, we're going to be discussing the 2023 Covenant School shooting. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Chris with the Sheepdog Church Security Academy, and this is your Church Security Roll Call. Today we're going to be discussing the article, the 2023 Covenant School shooting. If you'd like to read that article, go to our website, sheepdogchurchsecurity.net, and look under the news tab. So let's begin in the Bible. This is Psalm 91, verse 4, and it reads like this. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Good verse for us today, an encouraging verse for us today, because I know sometimes in this realm of being sheepdogs for the church, there is some stress involved in that. Um, so that's a, some encouragement there for you. So we want to get into this shooting. Um, now, obviously, this was not at a church. This was at a Christian school. But there's still some good lessons learned from it. And as you know, this is relatively recent. Uh, a lot of discussions have come from this uh, shooting. And a lot of churches are taking actions to prevent this kind of event from occurring at their church. And so it definitely applies to us here. Um, a little bit of a disclaimer here. My goal here is never to cover these shootings in great detail. What we do is we just do a quick review because certainly something as recent as this, that's all you really need is a quick review. And then get into the lessons learned. And I note about the lessons learned. The intent here is not to say they coulda, woulda, shoulda. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. We're not Monday morning quarterbacking. Instead, what we're trying to do is we're trying to take a tragic event and take lessons learned that we, the rest of us, can apply and hopefully safeguard lives. And so I don't think of it as um, being disrespectful to the people that lost their lives and the families that are going through a really horrible time, um, but we're honoring them and the sacrifice they made so it doesn't happen again. So let's get into the details. So it was March 27th, 2023, so not too long ago. It was the first day of another week of school at the Covenant School, um, a part of the Covenant um, Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee. This is an elementary school which also has students from uh, families uh, in other churches. Um, the, the next week, you know, so this happened just before the Easter week and a scheduled spring break, um, something everyone was looking forward to. This year, Easter week was um, destined to be a time of mourning instead, unfortunately. So let's get in the details. It was 9.54 a.m. surveillance video footage showed the suspect driving into the school's parking lot and driving around to the side entrance. Three minutes later, she sent a text to a former high school basketball teammate. Uh, this message prompted the teammate to contact a, a suicide hotline and then the county sheriff's office. Um, by the time the sheriff's office was called, the suspect had already shot her way through a glass um, door and was patrolling the hallways. The first person she met was 61-year-old custodian. She shot him and moved on. At the stairwell uh, near uh, the doorway to the church, she went up to the second floor. 
There she shot three nine-year-old students. Um, the headmistress and a substitute teacher confronted her and they were also shot. About this time, Metro Police arrived. The shooter um, saw them coming and shot at them through a second story window. Uh, using their um, Leo access key, they entered the front entrance next to the church. Um, hearing the sounds coming from above, they bolted upstairs. There in the second floor foyer, they encountered the shooter. She fell in an exchange of gunfire. A little bit about the killer. Um, the shooter was 28 years old, had been a Covenant School a student for a year or two about at, at the age of about 10 years old. After high school, she attended and graduated from an arts college. At the time of the shooting, she was employed as a graphics, uh, graphic designer. She worked as a, well, uh, her work was considered well regarded. Uh, when she learned something, she would um, uh, do it well. Is, is the way it was reported. Um, in the in drawings and notes left behind by the assailant, she mapped out the school and uh, meticulously planned the assault. According to the police who read her journal, she had considered another target, but because of it, um, the level of security she settled on Covenant because it was a soft target. Uh, she was able to case the place in person and map it out for planning the attack. Those who knew the subject had described her as quiet, shy, and somewhat backwards with not many close friends. Um, for a few years, she was mourning the death of her closest friend. Some believe that this has been a, um, might have been a romantic relationship. In 2022, a few years after her friend's passing, she came, down, uh, came out as transgender. Uh, she was the 27 at the time. Um, so, and on and on. So the impact, obviously, three children dead, three adults dead. Um, we all saw uh, a kind of a combination of people surrounding themselves with the school and, of course, the church and the victims, you know, the positive side of that, holding vigils and, and all that kind of things. And then we all saw the other end of it too, right? The politics and... Um, some finger pointing and all that kind of stuff that goes on after um, any type of incident like this occurs. And I really don't want to get into any of those details. What I really want to get into is the lessons learned. One of the lessons learned that I'm going to talk about first because, I mean, really churches and schools are doing this at a high rate right now. And that is covering glass doors and glass windows with uh, ballistic film, or um, I think you know the 3M film is kind of the big one right now. And essentially, what this film does is it—it's um, not bulletproof, but what it does is it makes the glass harder to shatter out. So you've probably saw the video or parts of the video of this of this in particular shooting, and uh, when the the bad guy shot the glass. It just shattered out, and it was very easy for them to exit, in, enter into the building, um, and get to killing. And so, if there was ballistic glass on there, or um, film over that glass, instead of it just shattering out and easily passing through, what it does is it's kind of like your windshield, right? It, the windshield, even if it gets hit by a rock or something, it might shatter out, but it doesn't it's still there, right? That plastic holds it together. 
And so if you've ever broken a windshield before, you realize just how much effort it takes to break out a windshield from the outside inside, uh, from the outside in, as opposed from in to out, because we all know you can kick out a windshield pretty easy. But anyway, the point here is that's what this would have done. And instead of getting into the building in probably, what, five, 10 seconds, easily, you know, shoot and walk in, it would have been shoot, and then it would have been, she would have been stuck at the door continuing to tear up that glass until she would have been able to get in. And of course, in, a, in an active shooter um, scenario, the more time that you give people to go into lockdown and more time you give people to find shelter, the more time you have, in many of our cases, having an armed response report, you know, going to that location, the better. Right, same thing, even if you don't have an armed safety team, um, you know, every minute counts. And if you're calling law enforcement, you know, hopefully they're closer to the, to the church than their average response time is six minutes, but you never know, they could be down the block and be there in no time at all. And so anyway, the point is, is time is essential. Something else though, beyond that, so that's the ballistic um, film, I highly recommend it. It can be highly expensive though, especially when you consider the installation of it, which you're going to want to get professionally done. The word on the street is, or what people are experiencing is this, is you can buy the film and install it yourself, but if you remember, if, you're a, if you were around in the 80s, remember when everyone was putting tint on their windows? You know, they'd buy the tint from the auto store and then come and they'd put it on. Well, what happened? A lot of people that put it on, it had all kinds of bubbles in it and ripples, and it was just a nightmare. Um, and so that can happen exactly with this, you know, with this um, film that you can add to your windows. Uh, you really want a professional person to do it, else you're going to have those bubbles and ripples and all the other kind of stuff. So it pays, it pays to pay a professional in this case. Um, but what, something that hasn't been talked about too much, and it's something a lot of us know from being in these kind of circles um, for a while, is this, is three out of four violent incidents start outside, right? And that makes sense, you know, um, to, you know, that makes a lot of sense to us. But also, of course, people have to approach, so that makes it 100%. But let's just go with the three out of four incidents start outside. What that tells us is this, is we have to be monitoring the parking lot. We have to be monitoring the parking lot. Because I'd like to think that if the safety team was monitoring either by camera or by eyes being out in the parking lot, they would have seen this threat drive up. They would have seen this threat exit the vehicle. They would have seen this threat with a weapon in their hand I mean, it was a, it was, you know, a large weapon. It wasn't a handgun. And they would have known, you know, called in all kinds of, you know, hey, we need to go into lockdown, call 911. We maybe have to engage them with a fight, you know, with firearms, you know, all that kind of stuff. So we have to be monitoring. Now, there's really two ways to monitor, and these make complete sense, but here we go. Um, cameras. If you have cameras, Please, please, please get those cameras hooked up to monitors and put them someplace where somebody can sit at those cameras and watch the cameras. Cameras are great, but 
instead of let's watch the video, you know, instead of in this situation where we're watching the video after it occurred, we want to be watching the uh, those cameras before it occurs. And so that way, well, like I said, if you're somebody sitting there and they see somebody getting out of the car, you know, maybe it's something suspicious and their behavior, and then they get out and they grab a weapon, somebody at the cameras can say that, you know, say something, call it out over the radio. The next way, of course, monitoring is having your safety team outside in the parking lot, at least occasionally to patrol it and, and so forth. You know, maybe a couple times per service. If it's a long service, maybe a few times in a service. We need to be outside patrolling the exterior. Um, one, of the th one of the things I've been talking a lot about with my alumni association is this, is, is if your team shows up like everybody else, attends the services like everybody else, and then leaves like everybody else, I'm not so sure you have a safety team. You don't. We have to be patrolling. We have to be out in that parking lot. We have to be in the lobby. We have to be patrolling the back hallways. We've discussed here, here before where that young man, 13-year-old um, um, boy, was beat up, sexually assaulted, and left in a stairwell. And they, nobody knew for two hours. It was an Easter-type thing going on. And so for two hours, nobody knew. And he was left for dead in essentially in the in the stairwell. I'd like to think if we were patrolling, that stairwell would have been getting somebody walking through it at least, you know, every 30 minutes or so, or maybe more frequently, you know, depending on the size of the campus. But you get my point here, is we have to be patrolling, 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 patrolling. Um, all right, let's see what other lessons learned here. Um, we already talked about the glass window. We already talked about surveilling, you know, watching cameras. If you have cameras, make sure you're watching them. Um, at least get out there and do some patrols. The target was chosen because she actually looked at another place, but because of their active security, what she saw there, she decided to go for the softer target. So that's another part, part of walking the, that parking lot. You know, one of the ongoing conversations we have, right, is... Should the safety team be in plain clothes or should they be marked somehow? And there's pros and cons to both, right? People that'll say, hey, we want to be plain clothes, which makes a lot of sense along with concealed weapon, is you don't want the bad guy to intentionally target safety personnel and eliminate them first. And so then that's a valid argument. That's a valid consideration that we have to think about. Um, but if everyone is incognito, then you don't look like a hard target. And here's a real-life example of the target being chosen because it was a soft target. And one of what's one of our what's one of the things we say a great deal about places with the sign that says no firearms allowed. That's kind of like a way of telling everybody we don't have any sort of safety or any sort of security plan. And so we don't want to be guilty in that by the reverse. The lack of action makes us about the same thing as putting that sign up. We want to look like a hard target. We want to have people that are maybe wearing a shirt with the church's logo on it and maybe it just says safety team underneath or something. We want that kind of thing. We want to be seen. This also works very well for larger churches that maybe, or I'm going to say medium-sized churches that get guests and maybe you don't know everybody, 
it's a way also of communicating to people, hey, I'm a safe space. You got something going on. Maybe you're going through a hard divorce or, you know, and maybe there's a history of domestic violence and you're afraid your boyfriend is going to come popping into the church one day. I'm the guy you talk to about that. Or if there's any other sort of emergency, I'm the guy you come to for that. There's a medical thing. I'm the guy you hunt down and find. And so we want to be kind of, I like both, is my answer always to plain clothes versus uniform. It's always, you know, marking. It's always both. We want some people that are marked and we want some people in uh, plain clothes. And then uh, let's see, what other thing? Um, Shatterproof glass, surveillance cameras. I'm just kind of looking at what Wesley put in the article here. Calling 911, security presence. I just talked about that. So yeah, that's essentially it. Um, if you can afford it, get those windows covered. If you can't afford it or you can, either way, we have to have some sort of active patrol and active monitoring um, with a heavy focus on the exterior of our churches, especially during um, you know service times or any large events. Um, we gotta, we gotta, you know, get out in those parking lots and even where the weather's bad so i'm here in minnesota um and it gets cold and it gets miserable out there and we still got to get out there and do some sort of uh patrol even if it's just once i mean i'll 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 uh i'll give you even that you know just one time get out there during the middle of the service and make sure that there's nobody out there sitting in the car that uh, anyone who might be casing the joint will see that safety team is going out there and they're patrolling, um, you know, going around the exterior, checking those back doors and all that good stuff. We got to be out there doing that. Um, so other than that, uh, before I let you go, I just want to encourage you to check out our safety member certification program. It's basically 16 hours of training. It covers everything from uh, active shooter to verbal de-escalation to you know basic fundamentals we talk about storms and disasters and child protection and basic use of force laws and arson and fire safety and mass trauma um, the point is it's, it's a lot of different topics it's 16 hours of training you get that done you take uh, the the test at the end of it all if you pass the test you're certified with us for two years this is the type of training that's intended to be foundational and fill in the cracks that maybe you're missing in your own training. I know a lot of you out there, you know, you maybe you go to the range quite a bit. Maybe you've had some uh, more advanced training with firearms and all that good stuff, and that's great. Um, but if you haven't had verbal de-escalation, you need it. You know, if you haven't had some child protection training, you need it. And other kinds of disasters that occur, mass trauma events, you know, what do we do after the active shooter comes through? Are we prepared to deal, you know, deal with people with limited resources and, and save as many lives as possible? Anyway, there's a whole lot in there um, for you and it's going to help you a great deal. So by all means, please check that out. Other than that, thank you so much for being here this week. And hey, let's be careful out there. This program is made for informational purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice.